The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah soft made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. It is 2021. Can you believe it? I'm afraid to say it's 2021 and be like, oh, we're free because we're actually not yet. But I have like some hope, I think, for this year. I don't know about you. I did want to tell you that I have made a commitment to have a sober January. And I'm going on day five. And that's embarrassing that I'm sitting here bragging about not drinking for going on my fifth day. But it's been good so far. So cross your fingers, it stays that way. And I am also doing Weight Watchers to lose the 10 pounds that Henrietta Hippo has gained over COVID. So, um, so far I've lost three, but anyone that is doing Weight Watchers right now, please send me an Instagram message or yeah, send me a message over Instagram. My Instagram is at judging Megan and tell me what I can eat. That's a freaking free food besides hard boiled eggs. And I don't eat meat and brown rice. So my diet basically consists of brown rice, vegetables, and hard boiled eggs. And I'm really getting tired of it. So send me your messages on ideas. P.S. I don't cook anything. I even burn pasta. So I just want to add that. 
So thanks for listening. I am excited to start the new year with you guys. And I have a really a great guest today. Her name is Blair Shabe. Hi, Blair. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um, so I'm going to start by saying, you know, I hate, I've made a commitment to myself that I am not going to make my podcast political, but <clears throat> the podcast today is going to be about COVID and Blair is considered a long hauler. And what I'm trying to make this about, I'm not trying to make it political. I'm trying to make it fact-based. And when I heard Blair's story, I was like, I have to tell my listeners, my audience's story, because I think it's really important that people understand. In Los Angeles County alone, some of the stats are out of every five people that are tested, one person out of those five people in LA County is testing positive for COVID. Another statistic is in the U.S., Every 33 seconds, somebody dies of COVID. And I will also say that out of every person in LA County, as of today, every 10 minutes, every 10 minutes, somebody dies of COVID. Ambulance companies are being told not to transport people if they don't look like they're going to survive. So those are just a few things that I think people should know. And I'm not, again, I don't want to make this political, but I want, when I see pictures of people gathering in groups and, you know, in Los Angeles, my kids can't go back to school, restaurants are closing, businesses are closing. We're so close to having people be vaccinated that I think we really need to just like buckle down. There's a light at the end of this tunnel. So I'm just going to get off my soapbox. If you hate me now and you don't want to listen anymore, please don't because I still want you to listen. I still want you to like me. So I'm going to shut my mouth and start interviewing my friend, Blair Clark Shabe. Hi, Blair. How are you? I'm good. Sorry to say hi two times, but. No, it's good. So Blair and I, I'm just going to give you a little background. Blair and I have known each other a long time. Blair's husband, Scott, is like, I call him my cousin. He's not really my cousin, but his parents are my godparents. I've known Scott my entire life. He's a lot older than Blair and I. I will say that. (laughs) And um, Scott married beautiful Blair. How many years have you guys been married now? Oh, geez. I think 17. Okay. So 17 years. And when I met Blair, I immediately took to Blair and we've remained friends for a short period of time. Scott and Blair and their family lived in West Hollywood where, when I was living in West Hollywood and I was in heaven because we would hang out all the time. We had the best time. I love their children. They have the most adorable kids ranging in age. Now, how old's Barlow? 16? Barlow is 16 and 5'11". Okay. <laughs> oh my God. No, no longer a little girl. And uh, so 16, 14, 12, and 10. Okay. So three girls, their youngest seller, only boy, all like a gorgeous, all good kids, all good athletes, just like their parents. So I just want to start out just telling you the background. Blair went to Harvard. Scott went to Yale. They're both super smart. 
Megan Judge went to Lynchburg College. Go Hornets. No offense <laughs> to my to my fellow Lynchburg College uh, students, but I just you know Blair's got it going on and is pretty smart. So I want to kind of give you that background how I I know Blair. What I will say is that she recur- she recently wrote an article about getting COVID and her side effects of being a long hauler. So can you kind of like go into like your story of getting COVID and what happened? And because I know you got it back in March. So I'm going to let you talk and kind of tell the story. Yeah. So I would say, you know, second week of March is when I live in a, a suburb of New York City in Jersey. Um, and we had started to hear, you know, that this was sort of ramping up and we were going to probably be shutting down. Um, we really had to make a decision around my second daughter's 14th birthday on the 14th of March. Um, we had invited some of her friends to go to, um, actually into the city to go to a restaurant and we were debating, do we do it? Do we not do it? And we weren't going to take public transportation after a long debate. We agreed that we would go and we would take, you know, a few of her friends and we were going to sit at our own table and, so we did that. We went, um, we went into the city, and everything was seemingly fine. Then I, I feel like the next day it was pretty much locked down, um, and we were not to go anywhere. We didn't do anything. We didn't go anywhere. And the next Thursday after that, actually, Scott strangely came home from work, and uh, he's a physician. He's a surgeon. Came home, and it was one of those like I, I work from home, so I. I thought I heard him come and then I never actually saw him and, and ultimately found him in bed. And he was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just totally wiped out and was super tired. I think then at that point, I sort of started developing a headache, um, but didn't really think much of it. And meanwhile, I should add that my parents who were on the West coast, my dad, who's now 84, my mom, 77, we had convinced them that it was probably best if they came to us um, so that they could, you know, if something was to happen, they were near us, we were near good healthcare and all that. So we had them come to us. So on the Tuesday, they came and we picked them up from the airport. Thursday, Scott seemingly started to look sick. By Sunday, I was having like shortness of breath and like this weird sort of breathing thing that I had never felt before. And I was like, I'm sure we have it. We need to get tested. So the next Monday, Scott went and got tested because he's a physician. I guess he was able to do it Um, because this was in the time where people couldn't actually get tested unless they'd been in contact with somebody from Asia or something like that. So that was back in the very beginning. I remember not get tested, which is yeah, we didn't, we didn't know anybody. Um, and so he ended up getting tested. We found out he was positive. We packed up my parents um, and sent them to Delaware where they live, thinking that they were fine um, and sent them away. And then uh, Scott and I had like a very kind of n- what we thought was like a normal course of COVID for the time where we were completely wiped out with like headache, body aches, you know, fever. We never really had a high fever. I always sort of had like in the nineties, you know, nothing, nothing too high, sore throat, total exhaustion. Like we didn't, we didn't wake, we didn't get out of bed. It was like a huge tour to like get to the bathroom to like shower and stuff, but we never felt so sick that either one of us felt like we needed to go to the hospital or anything like that. 
And I think after kind of a couple weeks, maybe the third week, we started feeling a little better. I started kind of doing some work. And then I think Scott even started going back to work. And I would say kind of around four weeks, five weeks, I felt like I had sort of been progressing. And then kind of five weeks, I was like, I still feel totally sick. I kind of felt like I was going backwards. I was having fevers and a bad headache and sore throat and body aches and all the rest. And so I actually went and got tested. And the first, like when Scott got tested, I didn't get tested because I felt like we had the same thing. There was no reason for me to get tested. But after kind of around five or six weeks, I actually did go to one of these testing drive-through places and, and I tested positive. And I think now what we know is that I, you know, I probably wasn't contagious at that point, but I still had this like lingering dead virus. And, and I, you know, I work in healthcare, but I'm not a scientist or a physician or a researcher or anything like that. But, you know, I think I, I probably wasn't even contagious or anything like that. It just, for whatever reason, still showed that I had it. And then kind of, you know, from there, I just sort of stayed the same. And I have had like good days and bad days, but over the past, 10 months, you know, I've dealt with like, literally, if you, you know how you, when you go somewhere, they give you those checklists, like, do you have a fever? Do you have body aches? Do you have chills? Do you have, you know, whatever, all these lists, like I could check off every single one of them still today. You know, I don't have COVID. <laughs> I don't, I'm not contagious or anything. One, one thing I hate to interrupt you and say this, and I wish I would have said it in the beginning is Blair is I legitimately one of the healthiest people I know I've gone I know because I'm friends with you and you're I've been to your house for dinner you're always cooking like organic you eat really healthy you work out all the time you're legitimately one of the healthiest people I know so if this could happen to somebody no pre-existing conditions fit healthy that's part of why I wanted to have you on to talk about that yeah, I think, you know, when I sort of wrote the story that I wrote, I think I wrote it to build awareness because I think so you you hear obviously the horror stories. I mean, we know somebody whose, you know, parent passed away. We, you know, Scott's mentor recently passed. I mean, this is serious and horrible, but there's also this side of it that like I had a mild case, you know, and it's become this thing that like, I can't, I can't shake. I can't get rid of, like, I have a headache every day, you know, and I, I still function. And I think to your point around being healthy, I do, I, I eat essentially vegan. I, you know, I was exercising every day. And one of the things that I've been trying to do recently, actually go to the, um, I'm being seen by the pen post COVID um, care unit. And one of the things that they've seen with, with long haulers like me is that exercise and physical therapy can help. And so I've been trying to do that again, but it's amazing to see, like, I, I like you, I'm a Peloton user. And I, you know, I actually recently just looked at like my sort of Peloton track record and up until March, you know, the second week of March, I literally would have been on, you know, doing something every day, whether it was yoga or biking or running or whatever. And then for essentially nine months or whatever, I didn't do anything because I've had complete exhaustion and, you know, going out for a walk, I just want to like sit down because it was exhausting. And I, and I also have struggled a lot with like body aches and that's made it hard to sleep because like I get leg pain in the middle of the night 
And so I always worried that like, if I was going to exercise or do more, that that would make it even worse. What, recently, what, are the, what are the other side effects? So you're having joint, like leg pain, yes, yeah, so shortness of breath. Yeah. What are some of the other things that have happened to you over these 10 months? I mean, I've had, I, I always joke with, with Scott that it's a little bit like pregnancy. Cause I always felt like when I was pregnant, he'd be like, oh, that's normal for pregnancy. And I feel like it's like, oh, that's normal for COVID. Like you name the symptom. I've had it. Like my ears ring always, you Till know, this my, day? Till still, this day. yeah, wow. still, you know, and like, I have a sore throat every day. Like I have a headache every day. There's some transient things. Like I get some weird facial numbness. Um, I get like joint pain. And actually, interestingly, I did go to a neurologist about the headaches. He put me on a medicine that also made me have numbness in my mouth. And so when I would try to talk, I was like, this is really disturbing. And so I stopped that medicine and it didn't actually do anything. But I get like weird joint pains. Like one night I woke up with like incredible finger, like joint pain. I mean, it's, it's weird because it all sorts seems to kind of come intermittently and there's no like rhyme or reason. I also have chest pain and I've had, I've worn a halter twice. Um, I've had some changes like cardiac changes that are not bad enough that I need to do anything about them, but they're definitely slightly disturbing in that they're changes. And I also have like cardiac pain. I think it's chest pain, but we can't attribute it to whatever is going, like I've done an echo and an EKG and all that twice now. Um, and so it's just frustrating because there are things that I have that you can't, you know, it's not like, oh, it's this and we can address it by doing this. That's the the challenge with all of this. You know, I also had a lot of sort of like lung pain and they think for a long time, it was sort of like inflammation of the lining of my lungs, um, which there's nothing, you know, you can really do about trying to think other, uh, I mean, the exhaustion have you, is, have you lost hair? Like, have you, I've heard no, of people lose. Yeah. I've there. heard that Your too. Hair, you still look beautiful <laughs> and you still have a good Thank head you. of hair. No, I, I, that is not one thing that I have, uh, I have dealt with. I have heard that though. People lose like chunks of hair and stuff like that. And significant. No, I, I, I shed just like I normally do, but no, not, uh, hair loss. Do you, um, so going backwards a little bit, I remember yep. you saying in the article, and by the way, can you share where people yeah. can find it? Yeah. So it was written in um, the Timmerman report. So Luke Timmerman has been a biotech reporter that I've known for years being in healthcare communications. And I've always respected him greatly. And he has put together this uh, outlet. So it's called the Timmerman report. So I think it's timmermanreport.com. Um, and you can find it there. Yeah. And then my other question was, as far as like when you were having the initial, you so you tested positive after you initially had it. Yeah. And, and you ended, didn't you tell me um, over the phone that you tested positive a couple times? So I only tested positive once, but that okay. was probably six weeks out. I would have, I'm sure, tested positive when Scott tested, you know, right at the beginning of March. But I, that was when they weren't really testing non either physicians or healthcare workers. And so I didn't test at that point. So I would have assumed that I would have at least tested positive twice, but I only tested once. I did subsequently do an antibody test, which the story gets a little bit interesting in that. So Scott and I did tested for antibodies. He tested positive for antibodies. I tested negative because we were doing this. We 
told my parents about it. My parents both tested. My mother tested positive for antibodies. My dad tested negative. My mother then did a COVID, um, you know, antigen test and tested positive for the virus. So then we thought that she was still contagious. So we actually brought her back to our house after she had gone to. And I think again, like learning, you know, looking back, we realized that she pro it probably was dead virus as well. And she probably wasn't contagious anymore. My dad had, um, you know, already been exposed as well. And, and why he didn't get it, we don't know. We, uh, we sort of feel like he may have had it back in January. Um, when he was out in California, he had a terrible cough and he sounded terrible. That's just a guess, but we well, don't you know, know that. Interesting. Sure. Sorry to talk over yep. you. But, um, I, um, in my last job, I had to travel quite a bit and I was traveling in February and I remember getting, I think I told you this over the phone. I remember I haven't gotten a sore throat, like where I felt like I had strep throat and I don't even know how long, I can't even remember. And mm -hmm. I was at a meeting and I was so sick, like sick, 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 and had this horrible sore throat. And I'm convinced that I might've had it. I'll, I mean, I obviously didn't have a horrible case like you yeah. went away, but it's interesting to think how many people could have had this before March. And we had no idea because we were traveling on planes and you know, yeah. just didn't know. So I have an interesting story about that because because I feel like again it's like pregnancy or having kids. Once you're pregnant, everybody tells you about their pregnancy story. So being a COVID person that talks about it, you know, I've heard everybody's story, and a lot of people have felt like they also had it, and they're sure they had it back in January or February or whatever. So recently, my cousin actually had what got was with a friend of his um, who was one of these people who was sure that he had had it. And he was like, you know, back in whatever, January, he had it. And then recently he actually contracted COVID, gave it to my cousin. And my cousin was like, well, I was sure he had told me he already had it, but he didn't actually know for sure. So I feel like, you know, there are little lessons in all of this for, you know, people who, you know, this was a young 20 something who like went out making the assumption that like, I'm invincible. Like I, I already have it, you know, I already had it. So it's fine that that may not be true. And you may have just had the flu or a cold or strep or whatever. 100%, you know? And then you can also get it again. So people have gotten it right. And then they can get it again, or they could be long haulers like you. Yeah. You know? I don't so, think about the whole, like getting it again, because I feel like there, there are not really many, if any, maybe a couple documented cases of people having it again. I mean, actually, when we had it, we um, had a nanny who was living with us who was from Mexico, and she also got it when we got it. And I mean, bless her, because she managed to keep our house like functioning for whatever reason. She got a version that wasn't, she had like a headache a little bit, and that was it. And she managed to keep everything afloat. And while Scott and I were in bed, but she then went back to Mexico in. I want to say like in July and her parents were worried about her coming and that she tested and she tested positive for antibodies and she tested positive for the virus. So again, she was like, you know, I, I got it again, but I, I think it's probably unlikely that she got it again. And it's probably more likely than again, it was sort of dead virus that whatever was detected, but you know, it, this, the problem is with this virus is that there's just not a lot of known information and there's a lot of information out there that is 
not always from the best source or whatever. And yeah. people tell stories, you know, what, what about the kids? Did your kids get it? Yeah. So, so our kids, we believe all had it. Although recently, so again, we live in the New York city area and you've heard like California, you know, there are a lot of cases right now. And our son who plays a lot of hockey, one of his, um, actually two of his teammates tested positive. And so we tested him and he tested negative, but we felt like it was worthwhile at that point to test him for antibodies. And sure enough, he has antibodies, which is really exciting in that that's like nine months later, he tested positive for antibodies. We then subsequently tested our daughters and all three of them did not have antibodies. Like I did not have antibodies or I don't have antibodies. So it doesn't, you know, it tells us that it, it doesn't tell us for sure that they didn't have it. It just tells us that they don't have antibodies, but they, you know, we, we again, believe that they had it. They all sort of had some symptoms like small headaches, a little bit of fever. My son always was like doing this weird, like movement with his neck. And like, I often had like neck pain and I always felt like that was like a COVID related thing. And he still sometimes like does this weird thing with his neck, you know, that kind of looks like it's just hurting sort of thing. And I think that it's, you know, probably a residual effect of COVID, but we don't, we don't know for sure what the girls, but I, I do believe, I mean, they were in a household of how many of us, nine of us. And <laughs> so. how, it, how it affects each person differently is the scariest part. If you were, I mean, I know that you're kind of on a mission now to let people know about your story. It's really important because I'll tell you, once I read your article, I wasn't, I, we've been really strict this whole time, like haven't traveled, haven't seen family, you know, been at home. I will admit I would go shopping. I'd go to like the mall because you know, the girl likes to shop, but I wasn't like, you know, I, I wasn't like, I mean, I would go to dinner maybe with like two friends and sit outside on a patio. That mm-hmm. was before they closed everything. Once I read your story, I started to rethink what I was doing and what, I, and also, you know, going to the mall, like people get so close to you and it's, and then I started thinking to myself, like, yeah, maybe I would be a person that gets COVID, but knowing my luck, I'd be like, I'd be a goner or something, but maybe I would get COVID and I'd be fine. Right. Like a lot of people, they get it. They don't even know, but I don't want to be somebody that gets it. And God forbid, like I pass it on to like somebody randomly in Trader Joe's, you know, and I don't even know I have it. I think your point about shopping brings up a good one and reminds me that I didn't actually complete my story, which was, so we ended up actually not getting COVID in New York city at a restaurant because about, I don't know, maybe four months later or something, I was out actually walking in town and um, went to a store that, you know, I, that we like to go, I buy everything used. So it was a used furniture store. And I walked in and the woman who owns the store was like, Hey, how are you doing? I was like, fine. She's like, did you guys get COVID? I was like, yeah. She's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, uh, I'm sorry. What, what do you mean you're sorry? She's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we gave it to you. So she like opens up a calendar and shows me she's like on, you know, essentially March 9th, she had a customer who came and spent about 45 minutes with her. That customer had been in, in Australia. She didn't know that that person had been with people who tested positive for COVID. That person gave them COVID. We then came in on the 14th of March 
we spent about 45 minutes with her discussing a couch that we ended up purchasing. And we then developed symptoms like five days later. So it literally everything matched up. And to your point around shopping, you know, if you're walking through a store or whatever, you're probably not likely to get it. But if you're sitting in close proximity to somebody or, you know, having, you know, I think they say 15 minutes within six feet. Um, even it, with it, a mask. Even with a mask. Yep. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can, you know, you can get it. Although I don't know. It's a good question. I don't even know if we were, we probably weren't wearing masks. Were we? I don't know. It's a good question. When, I, was, when was that? Because this was mask- the 14th, 14th of March. So when, so, what and I think on when you got, so you went to the dinner, cause I was wondering, you went to the dinner and the next day you started, Scott started having symptoms. No, he, not till the Thursday after. So okay, like so five days later. Yeah. Okay. And so I think, it, I think we actually weren't wearing masks because at that point there was controversy around masks. And I think they hadn't come out saying everybody needed to wear masks that, at that point. But yeah, so, you know, I think to your point around going out and being careful. And I, and I, you know, I think when people exchange it, when they're in close, you know, if you're eating with somebody, you take your mask off, you know, if you're, you know, having drinks at a bar, you're drinking. So you have your mask off. If you're in close proximity, that is when it's getting transmitted. And I think to your point around, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, I am the biggest proponent of vaccine. First of all, having, you know, worked for the past 20 plus years in the pharmaceutical industry that so often gets knocked for everything that we do. I think this is like such a, you know, proud, it's it's such a proud moment for all of us. You know, all the people that I, I know so many different people who've been working on different programs who haven't, haven't actually gotten approved. And I'm proud of all of them, all the effort that everybody's put in. And, you know, we take all of this seriously. I think the industry is well-regulated. You know, the FDA is doing a good job, you know, doing their part. And the fact that, yes, we have two vaccines that are now available is amazing. And I think, you know, recently somebody shared a piece on that had data around nurses that were saying that nurses were, you know, not fully supportive of getting vaccinated. And I think that's an area where we need to educate people on, we, we won't have, you know, herd immunity unless we get people vaccinated. Vaccines are a great thing, but they do nothing if they sit on the shelf and they're not used. And so, you know, people need to step up as soon as they can. I know my parents keep watching, you know, where they're in Delaware, when the elderly population is getting, you know, they were like, first we were like lower, you know, high on the list to get vaccinated. And now it's other, you know, another group that got bumped ahead of them or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, just be patient. You can, you can do your Zoom, uh, you know, parties with your friends. <laughs> we, <laughs> um, we can wait. Is, has Scott been vaccinated yet? He is has. Doctor. Okay. And he what, has, he got his and first. everyone I know, I, I have, my husband's best friend is a cardiologist, Mike, you know, Mike, he's yep. been vaccinated. Everyone I know, I have several friends in the medical industry. Everyone I know has been vaccinated, has not, knock on wood, had side effects. And they said the only side effect they felt was maybe some, like maybe a little tired the next day and soreness in their arm, which is no different than the flu vaccine. So Scott did have, have a, a reaction. He actually, uh, sort of looked like he had COVID for less than 24 hours. I mean, he, he had a fever and was not feeling well, was feeling achy and he actually got vaccinated 
the day, uh, the 24th. So the day before Christmas, he was totally fine Christmas Eve. He was like a little sore in his arm and then sort of Christmas morning, we did stockings and then he actually went back to bed and you know was like, I'm not feeling well. And then by Christmas dinner, he showed up and you know seemed fine. Um, so he's scheduled to get the second vaccination. Yes, he will. Okay. I don't know what the exact timing is, but yeah, I think but 20 do days. I wonder about people. Like I've heard a lot of people maybe will say, well, if I have a bad side effect, I'm not going to get the second one, but it's kind of like the way that I see it is like, look at somebody like you, do you really want to be somebody? And I believe you're, I know you, you're a determined girl. You're going to come out of this feeling great and you'll be back to your, I'm, I pray for you that you're going to be back to your old self because I, I, I know you well, I feel it. But to say to somebody like, go get vaccinated. You don't want to be in a position where you can't sit on the Peloton for five minutes with being out of breath when right. you could easily do a 45 minute class before this yeah. and be perfectly fine. Right. It's important that, you know, one of the things that we struggle with you know, in, in the U.S. is preventative medicine. And it, this is a great example of if we need to do this right in order for it to be effective. And we also have issues with, you know, antibody, you know, resistant bugs. And we need, you need to take it the way that it's being prescribed. And that's the way that they tested it. That's the way that it should be used. People need to get the second dose, you know, so we need, we need to trust in science. And that's something that, you know, I feel like you started at the beginning not to be political, but we do need, we, we're, you know, we've got great innovation here in the U.S. and we've got a lot of really smart people and a lot of really smart people that we collaborate from outside the U.S. And it's important that we, you know, follow, follow the science. I mean, the science tells you, you know, stay away. This is how it's transmitted. You need to, you know, vaccinate. That's what we need to do. So I think- It should never have been made political and from the very beginning. I mean, my mom, Pat, <laughs> you know, Pat, I do is in Florida and I just worry about her, you know, like you worry about your parents. It's like, I know people, I know someone that lost a parent to COVID and it's like horrible. You can't, you don't get to say goodbye. So the way that I see it is I'm sure you would agree is Let's just like do what we're supposed to do, not make this political anymore. Do right. what you're saying, wear a mask, don't gather in groups. Like I see people like they traveled and now our COVID cases are going to go straight back up, yep. you know, like let's all yep. like look out for each other, you know, let's be united in just looking out for everyone's parents, everyone, like God forbid, you don't want, I wouldn't think that you would wish being a long hauler on and even your biggest enemy, I wouldn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, we also all suffer from, you know, getting, we all want to get out and do things now, but I think it, it's, it'd be one thing if we didn't have vaccines that are out there, we have them now. And so we need people to, you know, rally together and be patient and let's get people vaccinated and we'll get back to normal. I mean, we all hopefully will live long, you know, healthy lives, but we have to be patient. You know, I remember thinking back at, uh, at the beginning of all this and we were like, okay, we're going to, you know, shut down for two weeks. I mean, right. I mean, everybody remembers that, you know, it was going to be two weeks. Okay. This has been way longer than two weeks. 
but if we look at, you know, sort of a long life that we're going to live, I mean, my son said earlier today, he's like, he's like, I just hope things are back to normal by uh, my birthday. And he's like, by the time I'm 11, he turns 11, August 18th, you know, I think that that's a good goal. And I think if we shoot to have people who can get vaccinated, vaccinated as soon as they can, I think we will get there. And, and I do see, you know, the cases around us now, there are so many more and we see so many more cases of people that we know when Scott and I had it, we didn't know anybody. We were the first people, we knew one person in our town who had it and then us, and we didn't know anybody else. And now you see it everywhere. And I just sort of feel like if people could just wait it out and just be patient and be smart, you know, you won't have a mild case that goes on for 10 months, you know? I mean, you said at the beginning about having a sober January. Well, I've been sober for 10 months. That was not by choice, but that's by, you know, the fact that I've had such a brutal headache that the thought of having a glass of wine makes me cringe because I don't, I don't want to do anything that's going to add to, you know, any sort of headache that I have. So It's just not worth it. It's completely changed your quality of life. And that's why I wanted to have you on today because I just would like people to listen and understand there's a tunnel right now and we're almost to the end, but be smart, like for everyone else's sake, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I've been ordering takeout, like not takeout, but Mm -hmm. we've been ordering, we started ordering our food again, doing Instacart. I legitimately watched three seasons of The Handmaid's Tale or The Handmaid Tale (laughs) within, I think, three weeks. Um, I've started talking to myself in the mirror because I need friends besides my family. You know, like we're all going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? Well, I think also like if you, you know, your, your comment about ordering groceries reminded me, you know, we also order groceries and we always have with four kids and a full-time job and all that, I have no time to the grocery store. But I remember back at the beginning when the groceries would come in and we would wipe them all down. So if we think about like where we've come from, we now realize that, you know, your loaf of bread probably isn't bringing you COVID, but it's rather the person that you're having a drink with, you know, on Saturday night, they might be giving you COVID. So I think if we put it all in perspective, we've learned that there are things that you can do. There's things that you can't do. And you know, and I think with some patients, you know, we'll get back to, to normal. And I do feel, you said at the beginning, you know, or a little bit ago, just about feeling like we're going to get back to normal. I, I do feel like at some point I'm going to get back to normal. Like if I didn't think that I would be in, you know, super depressed and, you know, I would be struggling a lot worse, but I do feel like at some point it's got to get better, right? For all the reasons that we talked about earlier in terms of like, I do eat healthy, I do exercise, I don't, you know, smoke or drink or any of those things. And so I should be able to get back to, to where I was, but I think it's going to take time. And, you know, and I, I also think people getting involved in clinical studies is a really important thing. And that's something that, you know, I have, because I'm in the industry, I've tried to re research um, opportunities to get involved in clinical studies. And I'm still hopeful that, you know, at some point there'll be something I can get involved in. I haven't been able to find anything yet. Although I do believe that Penn is gathering information that I'm part of kind of a database of long haulers that'll hopefully help us, you know, not only with this COVID-19, but, you know, whether if we're going to face something down in the future that we can learn from. Yeah, that we can all learn from this. If, if there's one thing 
that you've learned from this, this situation, COVID, what is the one thing that you've learned, like either about yourself or something you can share that you haven't shared? You know, so having worked in, in the industry, a, a part of what I have done is done a lot of like patient advocacy work where I've worked with different, a lot of rare disease groups and stuff like that. And I, and I do feel like something that I have really come to understand that I never really understood before is just how much like, you know, illnesses are invisible, right? So I look like a totally normal person. I can, you know, walk down the street. I can like laugh and hang out, you know, with my family and all that. And I look totally normal and I am generally normal. I'm still a pretty healthy person, but you don't know until somebody tells you what they're going through. And it's not something that I necessarily want. And it, strangely, in writing this article, I, I really hate all of the comments of people like, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying about you. I'm like, please don't. There are people that need you know, your, your thoughts and prayers way more than I do. But, but it, it did give me insight in terms of understanding how you really have to talk to people to understand like what they're going through because you can't see it. You know, I don't have a broken bone. I don't have, I'm not wearing a cast. I don't, and again, not that I'm looking for it, but it has certainly given me insight into understanding, you know, I work it with a company that works with people with sickle cell disease. It's very similar in terms of people have a lot of pain, you know, things that you can't see. And so I do feel like I have a newfound understanding of what it's like to, to struggle with, you know, a chronic condition. I, I hope at the end of all of this, that, you know, this won't be something that I deal with forever, but I certainly will always take value kind of the experience that I've had to hopefully do my job better and to, you know, better understand and really to be able to empathize with people. I think that's certainly something that I've learned from all of this. And also probably like we all take our health for granted sometimes. Right. And we don't realize like how lucky I try to remind myself of that. Like, you know, when I, I recently just had a physical and what you said about, I mean, I can relate to that because I've suffered tremendously in the past couple years with like trauma and coming to terms with like my own mental health and my depression and people don't seem to understand from the outside, I look perfectly fine and I'm cracking jokes all this time, but from the inside, I was dying, you know? And so it's very similar. Yeah, no, I think it's totally true. And I do think, you know, mental health bring, you know, that brings up another important topic that I think you're totally right in that mental health is completely invisible. I think we're also struggle with so much like stigma in the U S about people talking about it, you know, talking about, therapy and all of that. I mean, I think we need to approach mental health very differently. Um, and, and with COVID, I mean, it's also been interesting. I've talked a lot with Scott about how there's so many different aspects of this pandemic that has impacted mental health, right? So it's the isolation that's, you know, impacted people that previously didn't have mental health issues and now do. There's also, you know, the fear factor. So take the sickle cell disease community that's, you know, has a higher risk than others. And a lot of other rare disease um, individuals probably also have increased risk of getting COVID. You know, there's an increased fear level that they have to deal with around going out and, you know, just going to their regular doctor's. There's also like the stigma. I mean, I talked a little bit in my article about, you know, this experience of 
being a long hauler and I was symptomatic, but I wasn't actively having COVID and I essentially got mommy bullied, you know, out of a, in a lacrosse event that was outside and it was, you know, extremely upsetting. Um, and so, and, you know, I've also seen with people, you know, when somebody gets exposed, even with kids recently, I've seen some kids that were exposed and, you know, they sort of feel like they're, you know, they've got like, you know, the cooties or something, yeah. which, which then is really distressing for kids that they feel like, oh, you know, I had somebody who was in my house and they're like, oh, can I touch this? And it was like, yes, it's fine. You're totally fine. You know, but so I think that mental health is a huge part of this. And I'm, and I know, you know, for my own kids who are speaking with a couple of different therapists that, you know, the mental health industry, I think has very, been very busy. And I think it's extremely important you know, for schools to make sure that they're doing check-ins with kids, because this whole experience has been incredibly, uh, you know, stressful in so many ways. And I think all of those who struggle from, from whatever it is, whether it's lack of access to health or, you know, lack of access to food or anything, like all of those things have been made so much worse. So I feel like there's, everything's just been taken up a notch in terms of what people were struggling with before are struggling even, even worse. And so, you well, know, I hope suicide rates are skyrocketing and the people with addiction issues are skyrocketing. Part of why I did this podcast was to get people to understand and open up and talk to each other and reach out. Um, I had a young gentleman, I feel like a grandmother saying that I'm not 90, but I like saying young gentleman, uh, reach out to me on my Instagram and tell me a story about, you know, wanting to kill himself. And uh, I just, I think it's really important that we all talk to each other. We're not alone. You know, COVID's going to end. You're going to be fine in the end. I just think this hat, like I've said, I always say this every podcast and I hate to beat a dead horse, but everything happens for a reason. And we can either take the good and the lessons out of this and move forward in life and be kinder to each other, or just like not have learned a lesson being trapped in our houses for 10 months. So um, what is, I'm going to ask you this final question at the end of your COVID tunnel, and there's a light. What is the one thing that you're looking forward to doing in regular life? <laughs> probably having probably having my kids be loud and not telling them to can it, you know, because because it hurts my head. Like, oh wow, yeah, that's hard. Well, I hate. I like now. I don't want to say mine. <laughs> <laughs> mine is Ron, and and we we love Rome. We love Italy. We are planning a trip to Ooh. go to Rome. Yeah, in the summer. So we're hoping we don't have to can our trip and that's getting <laughs> us through this time of just knowing that we have to look forward to that time in Rome and not be, you know, trapped in our houses. Yeah. We'll still wear masks. I think I'll probably want to wear a mask even once this is over, because I think this has caused a little bit of PTSD in people. And, um, you know, I think the whole thing is don't take life for granted, right? Don't take your health for granted. And if anything, do this, don't do this for yourself. Do it for, do it for like your mom, if your mom's still alive and you're my age or do it for, you know, we, we almost lost our 
our Monsignor, our priest at my church, you know, in the very beginning of this, and he pulled through, do it for the, your priest, do it for your uncle, do it for everyone else besides yourself. Just wear your mask, socially distance, don't go out in groups and just do, let's all do this for each other. So in closing, I do want to say, please follow me. I hate to like pimp out my Instagram again, but follow me if you want to send me any comments, please rate me and listen and subscribe. If you're going to give me a bad rating, just carry on, carry on on your journey. You never have to listen to me again, but I, I appreciate all of my listeners. I appreciate all of my audience and thank you, Blair, for doing this. It really helps other people. And I know you're going to be fine at the end of this. I love you. And I love Scott and your kids. And thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been great. So keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.